Welcome to Off Grid Ireland podcast. In this episode, we'll be speaking to ex MEP Godfrey Bloom. Please enjoy. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. It really helps folks. And if you'd like to support us, you can buy us a coffee. The link is below. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much and enjoy the podcast. Godfrey Bloom is a former politician who served as a member of the European Parliament from 2004 to 2014. In that time, he represented UKIP until he sat as an independent. Prior to entering politics, he was in the military and was promoted to the rank of major before leaving in 1996. Godfrey's direct, no-nonsense approach and unique wit have had him labelled as a troublemaker in our woke society. Some of you may be familiar with Godfrey from his Twitter, where he shares political views, social commentary and everything in between. Uh, welcome to Off Good Ireland podcast, Godfrey. Great pleasure to be on. It's great to have you. Thanks a million for coming on. Um, I suppose we'll just start it off. What, what motivated you to get into politics yourself? Well, I was uh, working in the city uh, in the early 1990s. Uh, and um, I was running a fixed interest test. And I was asked by the board to look into the implications of a single currency. Uh, and I looked into it. I was nothing to do with politics. And I said, I never had been. I never belonged to a political party. But I looked into it and I realised uh, that a one-size-fits-all common currency was going to prove an absolute disaster for somebody, probably everybody, as indeed it has. And when I dug, dug even deeper down, uh, I realised uh, that we were getting 2,000 uh, rules and regulations or laws a year coming out of Brussels, 2000. Uh, and that was more than we'd had virtually since, uh, you know, 1688. You know, we, English law, hardly any, there's only a little bit of English law comes out at a time. We don't get buried with it. And we had all these rules and regulations. And I suddenly realised that uh, Britain was no longer, longer governing itself. Uh, we had got rid of our own government and we were really being run by Brussels. Uh, which is completely alien to our own constitution. Uh, and so that got me into politics. And so I stood for a, a, as a Brexiteer. And much to my surprise, I got elected in Yorkshire and represented Yorkshire for, for, for 10 years. Uh, so I, nobody was more surprised than me actually to get elected. But we got tens and tens of thousands of votes from, from Yorkshiremen who are uh, a pretty arrogant and miserable bunch. But they, 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 they don't like to be told what to do by London, never mind Brussels. Uh, so that got me into politics. Very interesting. Yeah, fantastic. Um, we're kind of, I suppose, in Ireland, obviously, we're still in the EU. And, um, you know, I, I, a lot of us, well, not, some of us anyway, are, would, would love to, to uh, have an, an, IR, an IR exit out of the EU ourselves. Um, what do you believe the greatest challenges faced by MEPs? Uh, like, well, say, what was your, what was some of the greatest challenges that you faced with, say, trying to get elected? Because there's a lot of people that are very interested in politics here in Ireland at the moment. Um, they're not happy with the direction the country's going in. So we've got a lot of people who want to, um, I suppose, dip their toe in. Well, the, the great thing, that, what made it relatively simple to get elected was, of course, we don't have proportional representation over here in Britain, as you know, uh, but and people were drifting away. They were stopping voting. Uh, they said, what's the point? They're all as bad as each other. Uh, and uh, 
and, and that was the general view. But when we had proportional representation, the general feeling was that if, you know, if we vote now, it will count. People will have to count our votes because every vote is counted. It's not a question of voting for blue or voting for red. And so we had one of the highest turnouts in, in, in the history of the country, uh, voting wise. More people turned out and people could then vote for the individual that they saw on their screen for Yorkshire, which is how I think things should uh, be run all the time. So I did TV and radio and stuff. And I said, this is what I believe. You know, if you want to vote for me, I'm UKIP, you know, vote for me. Uh, this is what I believe. Uh, and people voted me in very big numbers because most people, I'm a great pub goer. I like going to the pub. I like beer. So I've got a very keen ear for what real people want. Not woke people, real people. Butchers, bakers, cab drivers, sparkies, brickies. You know what I mean? Real people who do a real job. Uh, and so I knew what they were thinking uh, and uh, they backed me in very big numbers. Yeah, that's fantastic, I suppose, keeping it, yeah. I want to question that, I suppose, it was banded around Ireland during the, the Brexit fiasco. That they were trying to say that people were voting against immigration more so than to exit the EU. Um, like, we're having a serious problem here in Ireland with the immigration issue at the moment, and I think you have a very similar issue. You've got boats coming across the, the channel. But um, I, I, I don't know what the, the end of the question is. It's like, there seems to be unfinished business there, do you think? Well, uh, I've made this point on many occasions. <clears throat> uh, I didn't have a problem with immigration uh, in the EU. It wasn't my problem because the people that came to Britain uh, from Poland or the Czech Republic or wherever it was, they came to work. Uh, they didn't come for the welfare. Most of them came to work and filled up very useful jobs uh, that we couldn't fill, skilled and semi-skilled. So I never had a problem with that. What I do have a problem uh, is now with these people coming in the boats to Dover who are primitives. They come from very primitive parts of the world. They have very primitive attitudes in many cases, especially to women uh, and their concept of women and their treatment of women. Uh, and they're not coming, uh, they're all in between about 19 years old and 30 years old. There are no women and there are no children. They're all men of military age. And it makes us very, very concerned. And of course, if you look across to Sweden, you will see that they're the rape centre of, um, of the Western democracies. Uh, it is a very, very serious problem that these people simply do not value uh, the countries that they come to, they don't value our law, they don't value our institutions, they don't value anything about us. They're coming here as economic migrants at best, and Lord only knows what else in between. Uh, they're not all bad people, I'm not saying they are, but they shouldn't be here until they've been processed and assessed. And they're coming over in boats uh, in their thousands, and they're being put into hotels, four-star hotels, they're getting uh, treatment, health treatment and pocket money. And I believe that there's something going on that we're not being told. This to, to suggest, Gavin, to suggest that we couldn't stop them if we wanted to is absurd. We stopped Napoleon. We stopped the Kaiser. We stopped Hitler from crossing the channel. If you think we can't stop these little people in their little boats, it's absolutely ludicrous. 
All we need to do is mobilize the Royal Navy and tow them back to France from where they come. And I would do it in the morning if I were in charge. Yeah, and it's I... the same with Ireland. You're getting people that are coming in from a different route, broadly speaking, but I've seen your demonstrations over there. Uh, when I was in Ireland even, and I'm going back a few years now, I'm going back four or five, six years maybe, you drive through a very small community and I, I have a very small village, a small holding in a very small village. And you only need a few of these people to dis discommode your entire community, your old people, your children. Uh, you know, in a, in a crime-free, your little villages would have been virtually crime-free. Uh, and now your children can't go out at night. Your ladies need to be escorted all the time. Uh, and this is just disgraceful. It's disgraceful. And I always like my Irish friends, and I have plenty, I have plenty, uh, I say, you know, you were better off under the Brits. Um, you know, your own government, your own politicians are scandalous. They're not protecting ordinary Irish people at all, and they need booting out. Yeah, no, I'd have to agree with you without a doubt. And I, I read another story there today just on Dover that there was a, a young girl, I think she was raped in school, and there was four, four of these, you know, guys that came in on the boats. Um, arrested and these guys lie about their age and everything so you don't know what you're dealing with you know what I mean but um, I only seen that case there today and we have our own here in Ireland there's horror stories every day of the week there's a new horror story or a new atrocity after being committed um, and, and of course now with social media they go viral so people are being whipped up and, and rightly so by it because I have to agree with everything that you said there um, is it I've heard and I could be wrong on this is the reason why they're not stopping them coming across the channel got something to do with the European Court of Human Rights or something like that, that, that Britain is still a part of or something like that? Or am I, am I right? There's an implication. There is an implication of that, that we can't repatriate them. But that's never been my point. I don't care about the European Court of Human Rights and I don't care about the law. I care about the British people and protecting the British people. So I would intercept them and tow them back to France. I don't care about the law. I'm not interested in law. I'm interested in protecting our own families, our own women folk, our own communities. I don't give a stuff about the European Court of Human Rights. I don't care. Tow them back. Uh, otherwise, why have we got a Royal Navy? What's the point in the Royal Navy? They're swanning around the South China Sea in uh, billion pound aircraft carriers. Uh, and the problem's here in the channel. It's at home. You know, this is absolutely crazy. Tow them back. We could easily do it with a political will, but there doesn't seem to be political will or, and this is the big question a lot of people are starting to ask, why are they being brought in? They're being brought in uh, on government-sponsored boats, Royal National Lifeboat Institute-sponsored lifeboats. They're being escorted uh, mid-channel by the uh, French Navy, and nobody in mainstream media is saying what's going on. What's going on? Why are they here? Why are they sponsored by the British government? What's the point of it all? Yeah, this, this, that, that's the question on everybody's lips. I've seen some videos, I haven't verified them, but I've seen videos of them loading these rubber dinghies into articulated lorries, and I presume they're actually bringing them back to France so that they, you could, they're recycling them. So they're doing their bit for the environment. They're actually, these boats are being, they're being trucked back to France so that it can be used again. Now, I haven't confirmed it, but I've seen some videos of them loading these black dinghies into, <laughs> onto lorries. Um, just on, on, on that, though, what you're saying there, it's for us in Ireland, but we, we, we're kind of, it's like, um, 
there's we, we're calling it human trafficking now, and we're calling it um, like this is it, but in you know, in the opposition, we're calling it human trafficking and war profiteering or whatever, because there's serious money behind all this. Like I know in, in England you've got Circo and they're um, getting big contracts to house these people and whatever, but in Ireland it's more privatized. So there's huge money involved. There's they've taken up maybe full hotels, and these hotels are getting. Uh, you know, five hundred thousand a month. This kind of huge, these vast sums of money to house these people. So there's everybody's making a book on them. It, it seems like you know, from the NGOs that are meeting them off the boat to the guy in the hotel to the taxi drivers or whoever. Everyone seems to be getting a touch off it. <laughs> well. Yes, you're you're absolutely right. I'm this a This is a billion pound operation. Uh, so I know. In my political career, such as it was for 10 years, if you want to know the answer, the thing to do is always follow the money. The answer is always when you follow the money. And of course, we have uh, members of our parliament are big shareholders in Circo, which are getting these government government grants uh, to do this. Uh, and they're sacking hospitality workers in the hotels and bringing in their own rather thuggish looking individuals to run the hotels. Uh, the police stop you filming them when they get off the boat at Dover. Uh, they arrest you for disturbing the peace or whatever it is, the police, ordinary Dover citizens trying to bring it to the attention of the rest of the country. Um, it really is extremely serious. And we don't have any media picking it up. There's no editorial from the from the newspapers or the BBC or anybody else. We've been pretending it's not happening now for three years. And there's an estimated hundred thousand people that have come in of these young men uh, with, no, with no pedigree, and we don't think about them. Now, even if there was only 1% of really bad robbers, rapists, and muggers amongst them, but 1%, that's still a 1,000 roaming around our country. Yeah, and, and every crime that they commit is a, is a crime that shouldn't have happened, and unfortunately, it seems to be against women and children and, and everything else. Like Yesterday, for example... It just it just goes on and on here in Ireland. I suppose they've doubled the numbers there in the last year. And I suppose in the UK, you've a, you've a larger population. So it kind of maybe they got away with it under the radar for, for the last two years or whatever. But here in Ireland, it's just, you know, it's just atrocity after atrocity or incident after incident. They're stabbing each other in City West Hotel. There was another migrant stabbed, uh, stabbing each other in Dublin last night outside one of these centres. There's uh, viral videos going of women being raped on the street. There's uh, lads, you could just go on and on. It's like, I, I call it a migrant crime wave. That's the hashtag I'm using on Twitter. It's a, a migrant crime wave. But um, yeah, it, it's, I don't know. Your mind goes to sinister areas, I suppose, when you don't know what, what the end game to this is. What, they're unskilled, they've no jobs, um, or they've no skills. They're not bringing anything to the table. And I liked what you said there about the Polish and that we had, we had loads of Polish Lithuanians and stuff come in there in the, in the mid noughties and there were, there were troopers to work. They integrated well. They're, they're, you know what I mean? They, you couldn't say a bad word about them. But these guys coming in here now are, are I don't want to say savages, but that, they're not far off. It. Well, to be brutally frank, you know, uh, you only have to look at a close up of the photographs of them in their dinghies. Have a look at those faces. I'm sorry to say they are seriously primitive people, some of them. Yeah, frightening. And and when you think about it, though, it's say what what's happened with geopolitics over the last twenty or thirty years. Like say the UK were involved in 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 Iraq, and you know all the different things that went on. These are the enemy. Like you're bringing guys that probably that potentially could have a gripe against us 
in, into our midst. Like, it just doesn't make any sense. You're, you're quite right. Uh, the latest figures that we've got in England, and I don't quite know where they came from, but I think it came from a government source, that we have 40,000 of them under police surveillance for potential possible Muslim terrorism. 40,000. Yeah, it's, it's outrageous. In Ireland, they're more concerned about um, the good people, the, the everyday folk waking up. They're, 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 the rhetoric in the media now at the moment is we're extremists, we're far right, we're all sorts of, you know, these, these labels to want to put on people. And when you actually look at the footage from the protests, they're concerned mothers, they're, they're, they're women and children with pushing buggies, you know, but, but the, it seems the establishment is in, in, in complete damage control mode. I think they've lost control of the narrative here in Ireland. But um, yeah, it's very concerning. The first um, thing they do is to vilify. They'll vilify you. I've been vilified for years. Um, you know, I've had everything. I've been called uh, fascist, communist, homophobic, racist. You name it, I've been called it. And I'm just an ordinary bloke with a small holding in Yorkshire. I've paid my taxes all my life. I've you know, never been in any trouble. I'm a perfectly good citizen. Um, but when I try and tell people what's going on and I stick up for people, um, you know, I get all this vilification, but it didn't cut any mustard in the elections, you know. They still voted in very, very big numbers. You can't fool ordinary people. Uh, and this is this is the great thing. And I'm, uh, we all admire you over here for taking to the streets and demonstrating. We're still fast asleep over here. We're fast asleep. Um, uh, and uh, uh, the, the more you demonstrate, get on the streets. But I saw one of your politicians, I don't know his name, being interviewed the other day. He had no shame. He had no shame. You know, he was trying to pretend that these were poor people uh, who'd been driven away, you know, mothers and children uh, and, you know, refugees of the old school. They weren't. He gave, these are young men in between 19 and 30. Come on, everybody. And when they pretend they're schoolchildren, they've got beards. Some of these kids have got beards and they're a bit pretend. They say, oh, I'm 16. They get put in a school. What, what kind of people? What's the headmaster doing? What's your headmistresses doing? They're saying, no, he's not coming into my school. He's a man. What's wrong with all these people? It's, it's absolute insanity. It's like that mass formation psychosis or something that's come over them. And these labels are like dog whistles or whatever. And they kind of, it keeps a lot of people in check where they don't want to be labelled as racist or whatever. Even when they're not, they're just concerned citizens. Like the Irish are the most welcoming people on the planet. We are not racist. Um, you know what I mean? It's, it's, what they're doing is absolute mad madness. It's gaslighting. Like what went on with the pandemic for the, for the three years. Nonsense talk. And, and they're all revealing themselves as well. Like you've got conservative politicians. And you, you can go back from their tweets from three years ago and they're against migrants. Uh, you know what I mean? Are they unvetted? Are they whatever? This, that, and the other. And now that they've completely flipped the script, now they're calling uh, concerned citizens um, racists and this, that, and the other. So it's, I don't know. I think they've all been exposed now as to, you know, they just have, there's no, there's no, um, no principles, that hard and fast principles that they would stick to. That's what it looks like. I'm afraid so. It's a, it's a f sad case of affairs, but of course, it's very difficult to undo it. I mean, we've got uh, 100,000 of them now. And how do, how do you undo it? Unless then you have to be drastic. And sooner or later, you know, this is going to have to happen. They're going to have to be all rounded up and put on a boat and sent home. 
And the bigger the number of women we get, the worse and more difficult that's going to be. But it's going to have to it's going to have to happen. And the danger is the baby goes out with the bathwater uh, because uh, the people that have immigrated over the years here, um, uh, uh, you know, who set up little businesses and so on, thing, they're all welcome. But now uh, people are going to look at it doesn't matter if you've got if you if you've got. Uh, an immigrant or ethnic background, people are going to look at you in a different way. And that's not fair on the people who are already here. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Um, it's 100% a good point. It's, it, it, it's insane what they're doing. I, and you wonder there, you see in America there on the southern border, they have a similar thing where Biden has, you know, stopped the wall and they're getting... like you, you, Look, if you were conspiratorial minded, you'd think there is something, you know... <laughs> something wrong going on <laughs> well, we know there's something wrong going on but you know it's the, the cause of it I, I suppose you've heard them say before that this is because our uh, birth rates are, be- are below replacement level and if we don't bring in people uh, we're not going to be able to pay the pensions so like the, the Irish government are on record saying that they want to bring the island from 5 million up to 10 million um, and they have another project called Ireland 2040 where they, where they said they wanted to bring in a million um, people between now and 2040 like we're a very small country you know that yourself we can't absorb that like are we not allowed to have our own like are we not allowed to have our own culture like when what 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 number is too much before <laughs> you say you know that to draw the line on it like i don't know what the answer is but it, it's a funny thing because the world economic forum and bill gates and all the other international gangsters think there are too many of us you would think oh it's wonderful uh, you know ireland's Ireland's population is going to be static for the next t- 10 years. You'd think they'd be pleased about that. Why would you want to move it? Why would you want to double it by 2040? What is the point of that? Ireland is Ireland. You know, that, that's the reason people go on holiday. The reason I go on holiday to Ireland, because it's full of Irish people, you know, who like a joke and like a drink. That's why I go. <laughs> you know, and if it's tax effective and it used to be tax effective and it's uh, a, a, it's a good place to be and it's pleasant people will flock to ireland uh, the right people you know that will be your uh, the, the people who are trained doctors or nurses the people who bring something to irish society these people have nothing to bring from their dinghies they don't have anything to bring except trouble well, that's that's what makes me wonder because what you said there, it's a good point. It said we're overpopulated, right? But the other trope that they have is that we are we consume too much here in the West, like we, you know, for the climate. So we're the biggest polluters. We're the biggest problem on the planet. We're like cancer because we're, you know, we're we're hyper consumerism and this, that, and the other. So none of it makes sense, even with their own mantra. Why, if 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 that was the case, exactly, why would you want to bring more people into to a higher consuming? society to create more consumers or so i just it, it, the mind boggles what's going on <laughs> i know well perhaps at this great reset that they're after the great change in society perhaps they take the view that the communist agitators used to take years ago first of all you have to break the society you have to break the society's culture and then you can rebuild it as some form of fascist WF globalist enterprise. Uh, and the only way they can do that is to destroy the existing culture and demoralize the existing people who live there. Um, that is a well-known way of doing things. That's a well-known communist way of doing things. 
break the society before you can rebuild it in what you want it to be. Uh, but I think it's a great shame because both our countries have, you know, England, Scotland, Wales, Ireland, uh, their cultures are precious. Their histories are extremely precious um, and they're to be cherished uh, and taught properly in schools, incidentally, as well. Uh, you know, the, uh, the whole educational system needs to be uh, back to the fact that we're not bad people. We're not all bad people because we happen to live in the Western industrial societies. Uh, we've got to stop feeling all sorry for ourselves or ashamed of ourselves. Uh, you know, we've brought a lot of civilization to the planet uh, in Western Europe. Western Europe is one of the most civilizing uh, influences uh, in the history of the planet. And you've only got to sort of look around Europe and, and, and Great Britain to see that. Uh, the great buildings, the great works of art, the great works of music, the great thinkers, the great um, uh, people who've brought, brought all these things forward since the industrial, before and up to the Industrial Revolution. This is something that we should all be very proud of uh, that we've done. Uh, and if you look at where these characters come from, some of you again, what have they brought to the party? from Somalia. What, where's the great works of music and art from Somalia, one wonders, or Nigeria <coughs> or Albania? Yeah. What have they ever brought to the party? Very little in, in the thousands and thousands of years that they, they've, they've existed. What do you think, though, it's maybe just on a geopolitical thing, with the, what's going on with Ukraine and, and the West, or say Russia and the West and China and the West, is like... I presume it's the America. It, maybe I'm wrong, but is America are trying to cling on to the to the hegemon? Is that is, like I, I don't know. What, what way do you see it all going? Do you think we'll get this multipolar world order that they're talking about, or will are they going to take us to a, a World War Three? Or, or what's your thoughts? Well, uh, again, we have a mainstream media who is simply not prepared to tell the truth or give a balanced view. The war started in February and it was started uh, by the Ukrainians shelling the Donbass. The first shots in this war were fired by the Ukrainians two weeks before the Russians came across the border. In 2014, the CIA um, uh, brought about a regime change uh, from the elected government uh, in the Ukraine. And we're quite upfront about it, of mobilizing Ukraine as a cat's paw for the United States neocons to try and promote regime change and break down the Russian Federation. This is what this has been about since the beginning. Um, and they've tried it in Syria, Afghanistan, Iraq, the Horn of Africa, Libya. The American record is utterly atrocious. I love America. I love the American people. I've been to 35 states in my lifetime and I've got friends in every single one of them. There's something deeply psychopathic about the people in Washington. And I don't quite know why we have to follow suit. The British government dances to their tune. Um, this is a disaster. We are, and I think Colonel Douglas McGregor put his finger on it and he said, we've lost our fear of war. I was brought up in the 50s and 60s, um, and we had a great fear of nuclear war. We did anything to avoid nuclear war. <coughs> Seems to me now that people don't seem to care. They wore all lots of silly masks, and they had lots of experimental injections to stop them getting something which wasn't killing anybody except the over 85s 
and walked around in a terrified state. But you talk to them about a potential nuclear war, they don't seem to care. Perhaps they think you can get a jab against it or you can wear a mask against a nuclear war. The problem is that we have that 80% of the electorate over here, I can't speak for Ireland, but in Great Britain, 80% of the electorate are gullible and stupid. Uh, and I despair of them sometimes. Yeah, I have the exact same feeling here uh, sometimes as well. And that was a big thing that kept coming into my mind with this whole fiasco with Ukraine is whatever happened to MAD, mutually assured destruction. Is that like, cause that's what I used to say, like that's what's kept um, peace in the world for the last 80 years is the, the principle of, or the idea of mutually assured destruction. But that seems to, that's, that's gone. That, that, that's, that's gone off the table. Well, yeah, it is. Extraordinary. Extraordinary. And I don't understand it. Um, I really don't get it. And my friends on the East Coast, you know, my educated American friends who are part of my economic association and stuff like that, are horrified by it as well. This isn't something I don't think the Americans... I don't think they think about it. I'm sure if you've been to America, and I'm sure you have. Um, as I say, I've been in 35 states. It's a very parochial nation. You pick up a... a a newspaper in California or Kansas or New Mexico or Arizona, it doesn't carry any news about anything, which is more than a, slightly outside their immediate orbit. You know, it's, 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 it's extraordinary. No, I wouldn't think, Paul, 90, 95% of Americans couldn't point out where the Ukraine is on a map. They really couldn't. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's the truth of it. But um, yeah, it is. It is very concerning there, and obviously the escalation they've moved. They've, you know, I've seen I've seen videos today that they're training these leopard tanks now in uh, in Poland, and the whole thing just seems, you know, I don't know. It's, a, it's an accident waiting to happen. I think it's the Russians. They're not going to, you know, they're, they've said it. I, I I believe Putin when he says certain things. Like I, I don't think we should push push them to their to their bitter limit. And the idea that they can take back Crimea. That they're going to get Crimea back. It's just, it's all, it's, it's all fantasy. There are 700,000 Russian troops, well equipped. Uh, the concept of all arms warfare, because I was a soldier. Um, the things that people in the press don't seem to understand is it takes months and months to train on modern warfare weapons, you know, leopard tanks, Abrams tanks, the Challenger 2 tank, uh, the weapon systems. Uh, you go away for, for weeks, if not months, on courses that know how to handle these weapons properly. Uh, you can't just suddenly ship them over and hope it's all right on the night. The days of a tin hat and a gun have gone. You know, you, they, they've long gone. Uh, and uh, the British, uh, 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 the loudest in their condemnation of, of the Russians, we can only field two fighting brigades. Brigades. The Russians have got something like a hundred divisions. <laughs> this this is crazy. I don't know what we think we're doing. Shouting from the shouting, we're shouting from the touchline. We're shouting from the touchline, uh, and uh, we can't do anything about it. And all we're doing is costing more Ukrainian lives. And uh, Douglas McGregor and various other uh, officers that I know or have worked with over the years uh, believe that it will be the Ukrainian people themselves that hang Zelensky. Uh, that is their view, uh, in the same way that the Italians turned on Mussolini. Uh, and uh, uh, they've had 150,000 casualties. 
they've had uh, millions of uh, re refugees. The country's virtually broken. And when the Russians trundle across the frozen central Ukraine, it will be the end of it. It will be the end of it. Uh, and Zelensky will have to go back and count his millions in Malibu or wherever he goes, snorting his cocaine. Yeah, it's it's the loss of life is, is staggering there. And it is, it's, it's an absolute, it's a shit show, for want of a better word. Um, I've seen today that, oh, we can't replace the ammunition Ukraine are expending. It's, it's, it's like fair play to Russia. I'm not taking sides. And that's actually what I wanted to ask you about next. But I'm not taking sides because Irish were neutral on, we should be neutral on it. And that's what I want to talk to you about. But um, it's uh, it's just the loss of life there. And also, I, I don't know, it's just it's, it's, it's just horrendous what's happening. But I want to actually, that's what I want to ask you about the, the Irish neutrality. In Ireland now, we are, basically our government have come out and said to us that we're not a neutral country anymore. They said on this issue of Ukraine, we are not neutral. Um, they've given aid, monetary aid and non-lethal aid so far, but they're also talking about um, a European army that they want to get us involved in. What's your thoughts on Irish neutrality Do you, uh, I, or, or on, on that issue? Say, for uh, of, If you were an Irish man, or it would, what, would you, what would your stance be with, with this geopolitical say, problem? I would, want, I would want, if I was an Irishman, I would want to stick to complete neutrality. Uh, and I feel the same as an Englishman, incidentally. I go back to 1914, if you will, uh, when we're all shouting and cheering and the war was only going to last, you know, until Christmas. Uh, and the, the beastly Huns and all that kind of stirred up by the press, Lord Northcliffe's press. Um, and everybody in Paris and Berlin was shouting and screaming in London. Let's go to war. and Let's deal with it. And we ended up uh, the British Empire had. Uh, 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 one million deaths, three, three million casualties. That was just the British Empire. The Russians lost millions. The French lost six million. The Germans lost millions. It was one of the most appalling uh, things that could have happened to humankind since the history of the planet. This is, and it was an argument between Austria and Serbia. How on earth did we all get involved in that? Neutrality is good. Finland was neutral. Sweden was neutral. Ireland was neutral. And now they're all clamoring to join NATO. How stupid are these people? The Russians, they've been, uh, had Russian borders in Finland for, uh, you know, for, 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 since 1945, perfectly, uh, even when it was the Soviet Union, there was no trouble on the border. The, the, the Russian Federation has no ambition at all. They only, uh, geopolitically, the Russian Federation simply won't tolerate um, miss, American missiles uh, and depots uh, and uh, air force bases in the Ukraine, which are only a few hundred miles away from Moscow, in the same way that the Americans wouldn't tolerate missiles in Cuba when I was a very young man, I think in 1964. The Russian Federation have a perfectly valid viewpoint. Um, and they, saw, they said so at the beginning, they said, please do not arm the Ukraine. Um, otherwise, we will have to act. And they told they told Liz Truss when she was foreign secretary, they made it very clear to the secretary general uh, of NATO. Nobody was listening. And now we have a war. This is one of the most totally unnecessary wars. Most wars are unnecessary, aren't they? But this is really, really unnecessary. It didn't have to happen. And it could stop in the morning if we got round a table and the Ukraine said, right, 
nobody we're going to neutralize. There's going to be no military presence at all, no bio-warfare, no American soldiers, no missiles, no nothing in the Ukraine. We're going to rebuild the Ukraine, and we're going to have no soldiers in it from foreign countries. And the Russians would go back. that They'd want it monitored after the Minsk agreement, when Angela Merkel admitted they lied about the Minsk agreement. Uh, and they only wanted to use it as time to rearm the Ukraine. So what are the Russian Federation supposed to think? What are they supposed to think? These people lie to us all the time. They can't be trusted. How can we come to a deal with these people? They can't be trusted. They're very, very unpleasant people in Washington. And as I say, they don't reflect the, the American people, uh, to my view at all, the people I know, uh, nice family people, church-going people. They don't want to war with Russia. It seems some people who are psychopaths want to war with Russia. And, and, and ordinary people just don't. Demonstrations today, I think you will have seen in France, uh, wanted to get out of NATO. I would like to see Britain out of NATO. It's an anachronism. I don't want to be a member of NATO. It was a very good organization defending us against the Soviet Union when it was politically and militarily hostile. That is not the case now. NATO is a dangerous anachronism. And for, Ru and for Ireland to be sucked into it, uh, for Ireland to lose its neutrality over this, is grotesque. Yeah, it's um, that, that one of the biggest. That's one of the biggest things that annoyed me. Like, it's it's part of our identity in a way. Being neutral, it's something you're taught in school. It's it's put in, and then for the government, then it's it's obvious to most patriots now looking that the government are not working in the best interests of the Irish people. It's obvious to to the dog on the street who who cares enough to pay any attention. Like for us, our neutrality, it makes absolutely no sense. If, Russia have, have us on the naughty list, so they have us on the list of hostile countries. Um, they've done simulations of uh, nuclear blasts over here, and we're a part of their, their little their thing and all this kind of stuff. And it's it just, it just it, to me, it exposes the government that they have they do not care about the Irish people because what how better position could you be than walking the tight line, tight rope of neutrality? And and you could actually be proud of our leaders if they were calling for peace. You know, if they were front and centre of being an honest broker looking for peace, you could actually be proud of them. And um, no, instead of that, they've actually put us on the, the hit list of the Russians. Um, it's just, it, it boggles belief. And just keeping an eye on the time there, Godfrey, you've been really good. I think Patricia's here as well, and she wants to come in for a few questions, if you don't okay. mind. I've just got a few minutes left. I'm sorry, I have another engagement, but uh, yeah, another five minutes, by all means, if that's okay. Perfect. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Thank, thank you, Godfrey. Um, my, I just have two questions. I'm just going to take you back again. Um, during your political career, you were quite a Eurosceptic, and I, I firmly believe Ireland needs to get to hell out of, Euro, out of Europe. Could you recommend um, anything uh, for us, for us as a community on Telegram, maybe to start movements to kind of awake people on the ground to to maybe getting us get getting the debate around getting out of Europe for Ireland. Uh, would you have any tips on that? Well, I'm afraid I can't give you particularly good news because the the Brexit movement here was started broadly in the late 1980s in the late 1980s. And it was ordinary grassroots people standing out in the rain, handing out leaflets, hiring the local church hall to have a meeting to which nobody turned up. Um, it was 20 years of hard graft, uh, trying to build a grassroots organization, which we did, and we were successful. 
Uh, and of course, we won the referendum in 2016. But I'm talking nearly 30 years. It was nearly 30 years to get us out. Um, and even now we're not properly out because our civil servants service didn't want to go. Our House of Lords didn't want us out. Our Parliament didn't want us out. So all we've done really now is withdraw our MEPs and our commissioners. We're still by, abiding by all the rules and regulations. We're still governed by the European Court of Human Rights. And we're still giving them very significant amounts of money. We haven't really left. That's, that's the problem. The people spoke. We won the referendum. But deep state, the American wonderful expression is deep state, isn't it? It's very difficult to shake off. And of course, Irish politicians and civil service will be no better than ours. It's deep, isn't it? It runs deep. Because the long and short of it is they don't care about us. They really just don't care. Uh, and it's the only way you can make them care is they have to lose their seats. They have to be voted out. And the only way you can do that is by hard graft and knocking. And some of the lovely people I met, great patriots, great British patriots I met long since dead. Uh, but they were the grassroots. People joined us later uh, in a more senior level and took some of the glory. Uh, but the real the real game was grassroots. But it could take off. Suddenly it could take off because I've got a feeling that they've stepped too far with this unlimited immigration from primitive countries. That could be the very thing that fires uh, Irish patriotism uh, and Irish determination to do something about it. So, uh, I, you know, you mustn't give up in any way. Keep working. But I, I think it would be unfair of me to suggest that it was going to be easy. No, that's no, that's absolutely that's absolutely uh, what I was looking for. I know it's going to be a long haul, but I do think there is an appetite here in Ireland now. We see what's going on. We've lost our fishing. We've lost our fishing rights. We've lost our, our wind. We've lost. We've lost all the indigenous um, things that made Ireland great. We we used to be a self-sufficient country. Now our government has sold the lot off, and we need to get we need to get out of Europe. And and. I do think the appetite is there among the grassroots people. So, no, I I I, I appreciate your comment there. And my final comment, because I know I know you're you're tied, is um, what what do you make of this nonsense that's going on now? Um, this distraction nonsense of the UFOs. I I know on the history channels and that for years it was absolutely frowned upon to have any programs on 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 their channel regarding UFOs. You were considered a lunatic if you even brought up. The subject but now it's quite it's quite every second program now is about the ufos and there recently the american government quite openly stated that they shut down a ufo missile they didn't even uh, they had different terminology on it um up till now but now they're calling it a ufo what what do you make of this nonsense that's going on now the last week or so are, are they grasping at straws here i'll give you one golden rule uh, and it's, it's never been broken in my, since I went into politics uh, in 2004. Uh, fascinating. Almost everything that you see on mainstream media is a lie. There are almost no exceptions. And if they're talking about UFOs, it's to distract you from something else, believe me. Uh, so... I haven't watched BBC or mainstream TV for, I don't know, 15 years. I haven't read a newspaper for 15 years because 
I know it's a lie. It's all lies. If you want to find anything out that the truth is, of course, you have to delve right down and do your own personal research, as I know you will, and I know you do. But if you see it on a TV screen or read it in an Irish newspaper, it's a lie. No, that's fantastic. That's that's my that's my my belief as well. I was just making the point that they're quite openly now saying it. You know, like before, it, it you'd be tutted if you mentioned UFOs. Oh, stop it! They're not real. You're talking nonsense. But now they're openly saying it on on newspapers and on the TV. So my 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 red flags automatically went up. Going, what are they at? What are they really at? This is distraction. What's going on behind the scenes? That's exactly. what I'm wondering. Yeah, it's a it's a distraction uh, from the truth and the truth of uh, of anything. And it takes UFOs is taking your immigration problem and your neutrality problem off the TV screen, isn't it? Exactly. It. Exactly. No, thank you, thank you, Godfrey. Uh, I know, I know, um, our time is up, and you've been absolutely so gracious in um, speaking with us this evening. And I'd like to invite you back later in the year, um, just to touch base to see how both of our countries are getting on, and hopefully, hopefully, we'll be hopefully we'll be toasting, um, you know, some some successes along the way. Let's let's hope so. And thank you. It's been a great pleasure to talk to you. And uh, no, no, we might meet up again in County Mayo. Uh, I'm uh, I'm sure we'll be uh, visiting Ireland again in the not too distant future. Well, the next time the next time that you come to Ireland, I'll definitely bring you out to dinner and uh, we'll have a few drinks and we'll mull over all the events of the day. I'll look forward to that. Thank you for having me on and goodbye. And love to everybody over there. Not at all. And thank, thank you, Godfrey. And uh, keep, keep us in your, in your thoughts. And thanks so much for being so gracious with us. Thank thanks, Millie. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.